Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Now? Okay, apologize to all of you in YouTube land who didn't hear the prayer, unless you got that mic. Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, okay, a few announcements. Uh, we had a great time last night at my house at the get-together. Again, thank you guys for being there. And we are continuing to do our summer series. We've got uh, two events planned uh, this next month in August. Um, I can't give you too much detail. I know Brian is doing one. I don't know the exact date and time, but we will get you guys that information as it comes along. Uh, But hopefully you can make it to these events and just connect with each other. I know it's been great blessing for uh, myself and the people who I've been able to interact with. Had some great conversation, uh, you know, some deep kind of things that we've been able to talk at both of them I've had with different people. Um, So it's been really eventful, and hopefully it's that for you as well. So we'll keep you posted on that, but look forward to that and make them, please, if you can. Um, Also, we have the Philosophy and Critical Thinking happening this Tuesday at 7 p.m. here in the Genesis building with Jordan. And so if you can make that. Now, it is a suggested donation of $10. If you don't have the money, um, don't worry about it. But Jordan is driving out here, and it does help to cover his costs, and um, we try to use these things to develop the ability to have more people come out and do things. And so having the means to provide for them to drive out here, take their time, is one of the things that we want to be mindful of that. Um, Also, I wanted you to be aware that we, and when I say we, it's not necessarily Genesis, but it is connected to Genesis, are starting uh, something that's called Common Ground. And what Common Ground is, is it's a platform for people to be able to use to connect to other people. So things like an open mic where you want to be able to tell the people, hey, there's something that we're doing uh, at my house or at an event. You could go to this platform, this website, and find where that thing is or where other things are in your area. Kind of like a calendar of events. Um, It's in the process of developing, um, but we are using Genesis as a platform to connect that because we are trying to be a community that connects people to each other, and we thought this would be a great way in stepping in and doing that. And so we will be talking about that a little bit more and give you guys the information. Brian's working on a website, and you... A lot of the things that we do, you'll be able to find on that as well. Kind of an easy go-to, see this, if you want to come to a painting class, a philosophy class, open mic, those kinds of things. They'll all be put out there. So I share that with you guys as well as this is coming up. Also want to remind you that we are here because you guys are supporting what Genesis does And we are praying how we can use the funds that we have to do more in helping with the children, just to guys let you know, and developing our children's uh, teaching and ministry, as well as how we can reach our community. And so if you continue to give to the Genesis ministry in various ways, as is posted there, um, this is where we're leaning right now. I know some of you might have received news. Um, One of the nursing students that, for a reason, sponsors has malaria. 
Um, and it was, I think, the first graduate from the nursing school. Now, having malaria in itself is difficult, but being in that environment with so little uh, medical attention being able to be given, it's more serious. And so we want to keep uh, her up in prayer. And so uh, I don't remember her name, but um, if you see me afterwards, I can get you that information. Okay. Um, we're going to continue our series in the politics of Jesus. And I'm I just dig in this series, you guys. I got to tell you the truth. I'm just loving the subversive way that Jesus deals with the ways of humanity and the things that we see. Um, and even today, as I'm talking about the politics of Jesus, I know that there are churches that are having people who are in political platforms speak at their church on Sunday morning. Um, and I just think it's an important topic for our time. Um, we're going to start off with a reading of scripture, and Ben's going to come up and start us out. Come on, Ben. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, uh, from the ESV, the English Standard Version. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Thank you, Ben. So this morning, the politics of salt and light. If you're like me, you have probably heard this passage of scripture, and maybe you were told something like this, you are the only Bible that people will read. And if you do not share your faith with somebody, that responsibility is on you because you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And so it is up to you to share your faith so that you can win souls to the kingdom. Now, that might have been shared in different ways, but there was kind of that gist to it. And maybe you, bless you, have heard that, maybe not. But I did, and this was a big push for me to try and, okay, I need to evangelize, right? Because I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world, and I need to do this. And First of all, we have to remember again, when Jesus says the earth, you are the salt of the earth, the word earth and land are the same. And really it is speaking to the Jewish people about their promised land. You are the salt of the land, the land that has been promised to you. And the idea of salt was a common theme to them because salt was in abundance. There was the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea, as you may know, is just very salty, so much so that you can sit in it and not sink, even if you are weighing as much as me. It will not affect you. You will be able to just float because of how much salt is there, and that residue washes up, and so it is everywhere. And salt was used for so many things. It was used to preserve meat. It was used for flavor. It was used to treat things like wineskins. It was used for medicine. Even some of the covenants that they had, salt was a part of it. And so maybe that's part of what Jesus pointed is, is salt is everywhere and has a ton of value in so many ways because of how versatile it is. But if it loses its flavor or its saltiness or really its character, then what good is it? And here is something that we need to understand. If we lose the character of what God is intending for us, we too can become useless. I remember one time I was going down to, I think it was Vizcaino, 
And if you know, the travel from the border to Vizcaino is 12 hours. And usually we would go late on a Friday night, we'd make a stop somewhere close to the border and then continue in like another 10 hours to Vizcaino. And for me, this was like, okay, if I'm gonna be traveling, I wanna have my headset, I wanna have my phone, and I'm gonna have my playlist, I'll have things I'm gonna listen to, I have books that I can listen to, because I'm gonna be in a car in a back seat for 10 hours driving, right? And it's like you can only have so much conversation with people for 10 hours. Hey, so how, how's the family? Good. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, it's like, <laughs> how's work? Good. All right. Well, okay, nine hours, 58 minutes to go, right? And, and so I'd have my phone and I'd have, you know, things that I was planning on listening to. And I remember I had a headset and the jack of the headset broke before that last leg of 10 hours. So I had a headset with no jack, it was useless. All I could do is put it in my ears and not hear whatever else was going on, right? And it's one of these things, here's something that is meant to be useful and it becomes of no value. And what a waste, it was just haunting me, looking at the headset, it was taunting me, saying I could have been used, but no. I'm useless now. And I wonder how this plays into our lives and understanding this idea of being useless, of not having the ability to serve a purpose that was intended. And the light that is talked about and the the salt that is talked about, these are things, again, starting with the nation of Israel. And when he says the light of the world, the world there actually is the earth. It is the, the known world. And this is something, again, that would have been familiar to the Jewish people. Remember, Jesus is talking to them and he's using terminology that many of them would understand from their scriptures. And in Isaiah chapter 51, verse four Isaiah writes, give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples or to the nations. Also in Isaiah 60, verse three, and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Because the nation of Israel were supposed to be living in relationship with Yahweh in such a way that they were going to be a light to the peoples, to the nation. They were to give example of the goodness of Yahweh, his justice, his mercy, so that the other nations would be able to see that. So they were supposed to be salt to the land. In other words, they were supposed to be uh, helpful to the people who were there in Israel, and they were also supposed to be a light to the world so that everyone would know who Yahweh is, and it would be a draw to that understanding. And it's interesting how Jesus now takes these images that were applied to Israel and gives them to his followers. He's taking the Israel language and is now saying that this is now true of my disciples. And so you have to think, how would that play in the minds of the people, especially the religious leaders at that time, when he was taking something that was their national identity and saying, the people who follow me now carry this. It's almost like a passing on of a baton. Right, You see those Olympic races where they're running and they have that smooth pass and it just goes perfectly, right? And then you've all seen those ones where it's like they're ahead and then there's the fumble and there's the mess up and they lose the race because the baton isn't passed. But you see, the baton has to be passed for the race to finish. And there's a baton that's being passed here, Jesus says, that the example that Israel was supposed to be is now gonna be carried by my followers. And the people who were holding the standard of no, it's this nation, and now we are in charge of this nation are feeling very attacked by Jesus saying, I'm taking the baton and I'm giving it to them. When they're saying, oh no, this is our baton. 
we're going to do what we need to do with it. And, and so there's this struggle that he's saying. He, he's taking this from someone, giving it to someone else. And he goes on and he gives some examples. They are a city on a hill, right? Their light is to shine before others. They're a, they're a light on a stand. They're, they're not to be, you know, covered with a basket. They're supposed to be seen by everyone so that they could see the good they do and it would honor God. Both salt and light are meant to affect the things around them, but they can lose their effectiveness. And that's what Jesus is addressing, that this is now ineffective. We have to take it and make it effective to what God's intention was. And it's so interesting because the idea of priesthood originally was supposed to be for the people, but then it was something that had to become for a specific group of people. And then they wanted a king, and now it's being taken back and saying, no, we're gonna take it back from what you have made it or what it had to become and put it back into the hands of this, the people. The big takeaway, though, is taking the Israel language, inserting his followers in Israel's place. That's staggering to the people who are hearing it. And especially, we have to remember and focus on, and we'll keep focusing on this throughout this series, the politics of Jesus. Who is he talking to? You are. It's not, again, singular. It is to a group of people. In Matthew 4, 24, we see, again, this group. His fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought with them all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. It is to these people he is talking to, but now he is starting to narrow down the focus and clarify who these people are because it's these people, but then it's also the characteristic of these people. These are the people who are poor in spirit. These are the people who mourn. These are the people who are meek. These are the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are the people who are merciful. These are the peacemakers. These are the people who are persecuted for living and following after Christ. That's kind of giving us a little bit more insight into who these people are, their character. So it's the sick, it's the oppressed, it's these marginalized people who have these characteristics. This is who is the salt of the earth. These are the ones who are now the light of the world. He's taking the baton, giving it to this group of people. This is the character of the kingdom. These are people who make room in their heart for God to live and represent him in the world. These are also the people who are filled with grief, who are filled with suffering, who are filled with faithfulness, and who are filled with hope. And those four things are important characteristics because they all go together, right? We don't think of grief and suffering and hope a lot of times in the same category unless we have gone through it and know what it's like to grieve, to suffer, to maintain a faithfulness to a person, a circumstance, and to have hope in it. And it can happen in families, it can happen in relationships, it can happen in our identity as followers of Christ. It happens when we're in the world, because this world is a pretty traumatic place sometimes. There are a lot of people who go through grief, a lot of people who suffer, and faithfulness and hope is what they need. And that's what Christ is bringing here. What Jesus is saying is that these people are being formed into a politic, a polis, that is to function as salt to the land and light to the world. How it will be salt and light is connected to who makes up this group, the poor in spirit, the mourning, the meek, the peacemakers. All these characteristics are a part of who makes up this group of Jesus's following and this new politics he's putting into play. These people are to season Israel and to be a light to the rest of the world. 
They are to, they have often been overlooked because of their position. They've been used. They've been abused. They've been taxed because they have no recourse. They've been taken advantage of in in so many ways by so many groups in the system and are open to what God is wanting to do in them and in the world. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is present and showing up right where they are in light of who they are and their condition. In fact, their condition has opened them up to be receptive because it is is the people who have been used, who have been abused, who have been mistreated, who have been discarded, who are actually those who are really hungering for what is going to be right. It is those people that want to see the change, that welcome the change when it comes because it is something that is going to help them and help the people they love. And so they're postured for it already in light of who they are and their circumstances. Notice that this isn't about going out there and sharing your faith. When he says you are the light of the world, that's passive. It's something that you are. You are salt. You are light. Not you need to be salt. You need to be or could be light. It's a pronunciation. You are. Now it is a condition by the characteristic he has just spoke about as peacemakers, meek, merciful, etc. This is who you are because of the characteristics that are in your life. That is what is the example. Not opening your mouth and saying you are not telling people what they have to do. You living in relationship to the character of Christ makes you an example of the kingdom to the world around us. And it's a huge and important difference that we see displayed throughout Jesus's ministry and even the church in Acts. Jesus is talking to this misfit group of people, telling them that they are a reminder to Israel of what true Israel is to look like. And they are an example to the world of what God is doing. Again, how do you think that went over with the leaders of Israel at that time? Didn't go well. And once again, this is one of the reasons Jesus was crucified. And of course, he knew this was happening. It is why he came. But that is why they did what they did is because of what he was saying that challenged their authority and their politics. And so the politics of Jesus, baby, is very subversive to the powers that be that do not look like the character of the kingdom whatever kingdom that is. And this ragged and and weak and foolish group of people will be used to do what Israel could not. The race is gonna be finished by these people. But wait, look at these people. They don't look like winners. This isn't how... We see things done. But that's exactly what God is doing to a people and how the group of people will work and operate in the world in order to live up to the calling as salt and light is going to have an influence on everyone around them. And you think of the difference this is to maybe what you've been taught in the past that you have to go and do something to your condition opens you up to what God is doing and you get to be a part of it by how you are living in relationship to your circumstances and to God. Actually in your suffering, those who mourn, in your grief, in your faithfulness and the hope you have that God is at work that you individually are the salt and the light of the world and have to share your faith with people is not the same message as what Jesus is saying here. It's so interesting, right? Because how, 
And again, I can only speak for myself. I, I, I don't want to be too broad of a label here, but this idea of I have to go talk to somebody about Jesus and, and give them this gospel message, sometimes it could last all of five minutes. And what Jesus is doing is talking about, no, this is going to last all of your life. Right? This is a calling on your life, not a calling to do something that doesn't engage you in life with people. Right? Because before, it was, I just had to get my arguments right. I just had to get all the information down that I was going to have to share, and that's what I would do. You know, I'd have my you know, notes of how people would respond, and I, I would have the apologetics of what to do, and, and that's what I presented. And if I could do a good job, then within a short time, I can convert someone. And when Jesus is talking about salt and light, he is talking about the character of your life, not a message you give. And, and can you see how living in collective character is different than individual obligation. Living as a people who reflect through our lives the character of God is so much different than you having a responsibility to push an agenda for God. And it's amazing what can happen when a group of people just are kind, are merciful, are generous, I don't know if you guys follow Carlos Whitaker or have heard about him recently. Um, he's uh, an author, a public speaker. I think he used to be a worship leader. And he's on Instagram, and he's got like 200,000 followers. And he was in Atlanta and at an airport, and there was a guy playing piano who was there, and he struck up a conversation with the guy. His name is Tony. And as he started talking to Tony, Tony was an elderly gentleman, probably in his 60s, I'm guessing. And uh, Tony has to go to dialysis because he's got kidney failure. He has to go every day. And so he spends, I forget how many hours in dialysis, but then he comes and he does his job at the airport playing piano and just setting this vibe, you know, for people. And you see people just kind of like, oh man, this is good. And so Carlos strikes up a conversation with him and talks to him and he sees this tip jar out there and he asks him, what's the biggest tip he's ever gotten? And he's kind of joking about it. He got a $600 tip. Yeah, someone paid me $10 to play Billy Joel's I'm the piano man, and someone paid me $600 to not play it, you know, he said. And so he, he's talking with him, and so Carlos goes to his Instagram family, goes, hey, guys, why don't we give Tony a tip? And whatever you can, put it into this Venmo account, and then I'm going to give it to Tony. And within an hour, they raised $10,000. And so he gives him this thing, hey, we've got $10,000, and the guy's just broken and in tears, and it's gotten up to, I think it's $71,000 right now. And you look at all the people of these 200,000 followers, and it's $5 here, $10 here, maybe $20 here. It's all these small amounts from all these people who just want to say, I want to do a little. I want to be a little bit generous. And they've given this man this much money. And what this guy, Tony, told Carlos at one point, he says, he asked him, do you have faith in humanity? He goes, no, I don't have faith in humanity. I've lost faith in humanity. And then he asked him, or he told him again, he goes, you've restored my faith in humanity. Why? Because they are being salt and light. Because they are being an example of generosity. Because they are going countercultural to the things that are there. They are being generous for generosity's sake. And it's having this powerful impact where the news media has now gotten a hold of this and they're doing, you know, Good Morning America or I don't know all the shows. But he's on all these shows and he calls it his Insta Familia, right? The Instagram family that they're doing this. And he goes, you guys have done this. You guys are doing this. It's not a system. It's just these people living in relationship to one another and to the circumstance that they're in. And it's beautiful, There's two points that I think Jesus is making here. Jesus was taking Israel language, applying it to his followers, and these followers were not those traditionally considered to have power, authority, or example. And those are two of the the things that are pressing in on, on these passages. 
is the language being given to this people and who these people were. Jesus' followers were to be a prophetic contrast to the rest of Israel. What was the contrast at that time? It was who's in power? Rome. What do we do with Rome? What do we do with someone who is so oppressively overpowering everybody? And the Pharisees believed that if we would keep the law of God, the commandments of God and the Sabbath, that we would again be empowered to overthrow Israel. The Sadducees were kind of working alongside with Rome and partnering with them so that they could maintain power over their people. There was another group called the Essenes who were outraged by the temple state and they were kind of like nomads where they would flee and try and be in desolate places because they didn't want to be governed by Rome and they didn't want to be a part of what was happening in the nation. It's where we got the Dead Sea Scrolls, by the way, from this group of people. And they were kind of separatists, right? And wanting to stop the connection at all with Rome and with the temple and anyone who was dealing with them. And then later you'd have the zealot movement who were gonna physically overthrow Rome from their country, which led to the destruction of the temple that Jesus prophesied about, where they laid, Rome laid waste to Jerusalem and all the people. And there's millions who are just displaced because of that. And so you've got all these different groups trying to deal with the circumstances of their time and how they're going to live in that. And in the midst of this political climate, Jesus is going to tell his followers how to be true Israel, how to be salt and light. They're not to be violent. They're not to hunger for power and control or use it. They're not to be religious reformers. They're not to be accommodationists or isolationists. Gosh, these are so much of our arguments today, aren't they? We want to be isolated. No, we, we have to connect to this. We're, you know, we, we have to accommodate these. We have to have a religious reform. If everyone would just keep the Ten Commandments, if we could enforce the law of God on the people of God, then our nation would be great again. And they'd quote Isaiah to point to the things in the United States that are happening. But they were also to be light to the world, to the Gentiles. And if you were to bring Jesus' words into our time, what he's talking to at his time, it might look something like this. And I know it's not perfect, but I think he gives us an idea, something to think about. The people of the kingdom are to be a prophetic contrast to the Christians in the church. Right, So instead of Israel, we would say to the church. And there's a lot that's Christian and a lot that's churchy that's not a lot like Jesus. And we see people trying to fit Jesus into their individualistic political identity and don't really take his words seriously like love your enemies. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to the meek to me, or the meek will inherit the earth. There, there are people who want to adopt Jesus's, let's call it fame, renown, and put it into their system. And that looks like so many various systems. It, it looks like left and right. And then you look at the scandals in the church where there's embezzlement for money. Look at the sexual scandals where people who are very prominent, powerful, and they're using people in their area of ministry. People, gosh, who I listened to and I thought, man, I really like him. And to find out he has people working for him just for the purpose of providing sexual favors for him. And you think, oh my goodness, no wonder people look and say, this stinks. It's awful. The celebrity status of pastors, the use of money, the use of people. Talk about losing your saltiness. Of course, 
It's not everyone. But we see this happening to so many. And the world sees it and says, you guys are just like the people in Hollywood who use their position to get favors from the people who are trying to get the jobs. You're just in a different arena. There's no difference. But the church was supposed to point to the kingdom. And how do you know if the church is pointing to the kingdom? How do we know if we're doing what we're supposed to do? It's filled with people like who he's talking to. It's filled with people from all different walks of life. It's filled with people who can't do what they're wanting others to do. In other words, they're not the affluent, the people who are there just because they are in positions of power. You know, I I love that at a time when one of the wealthiest men in the world goes into outer space for whatever reason, you've got someone providing money for a guy who has to deal with dialysis from a bunch of people, right? What a contrast. What a contrast. These are a bunch of ordinary people providing little bit, making a huge difference. Here's someone with a lot. What difference is he making to the lives of people? Now, maybe he is. I'm just taking an example here, but I think you get the point. Right? The church is supposed to point to the kingdom filled with people like this. But most of the churches now are driven by people with type A personalities who are able to sell and get the attention and promote their agenda of their organization in Jesus' name. This can be a, a substitute for the kingdom. And oftentimes people do not reject Jesus. They never even experience him. They reject the sh- shallow substitute of what we have fallen for, and I've included, I've fallen for this. I thought this was how it's supposed to be. See, but self-rightness is not the way of Jesus. And in the political system of our time, it's all about self-rightness. It's all about esteeming ourselves and demeaning the other. And the politics of Jesus is the opposite. The reason the church is not salt to our nations and light to the world is because we are not honoring those who are poor in spirit, the meek, the peacemakers, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We are making sure they first fit into our mold of doctrine, into our political leanings, into our comfort levels. And I believe Jesus' indictment of Israel is the same indictment to us by not allowing kingdom mentality to permeate all of our lives mentality. Think of how Jesus built his kingdom. He picked 12 people who did not make the grade, right? They were all doing their own profession, which means they didn't make the rabbinical teaching of that time because the way it would work is the rabbis would choose the best of the best to keep going on. And at a certain point, the rabbi would say, if you're not the best of the best, it's the best you go back to your trade with your father and go to work there because you're not gonna make it here as a rabbi. And so all the disciples did not make the cut. They weren't first string. They aren't the A-team. So he chooses these people. He told other people, don't talk about the miracles. I know I just healed you, but don't tell anyone. And then when they wanted to make him king, he fled. This is not the way you do things. He needs some serious marketing campaign help, right? Because he is not promoting himself well. He doesn't understand how the system works He's not working his brand right. Maybe he is. How contrary this is to our ideology of success. It looks like insanity. And that's why it's so hard for us to embrace it is because it's so countercultural to everything we know. The politics of Jesus just confronts us in so many of our prejudged ways of living. Why would you promote generosity when there is scarcity everywhere? When most of the people who are living here in that time were living in poverty levels that we can barely imagine. And he promotes generosity. 
Why would you even think about sexual fidelity when promiscuity and self-expression are the norm? Why would you do good to those who use you for their gain and not use your position over others for your gain? You're going about it all wrong. See, the defining characteristic of the kingdom is actually weakness. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And he says in verse 26, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble of birth. But God chose the foolish things in the world, that's us, to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world. Again, that's us to shame the strong. God chose what is low, despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. In other words, God's going to start with the base. It doesn't mean there aren't smart people. It doesn't mean there aren't strong people. It doesn't mean there aren't rich people in the kingdom of God, but God is not dependent on your strength, on your ability to mentally ascend. It's not dependent on your wealth. God is not depending on those things. He's going to use the weak things, the foolish things, but he's going to take the generous heart, the heart that is postured right, and he's going to allow it to be salt to the nation and light to the world. He's going to change how we see things. We witness to others, not in our rightness, but in our weakness, dependence, and humility. And you cannot argue against it because it stands by itself. And I'm excited for the part we get to play because I think there's a transformation taking place in our time. I think it's always happening, but I have hope that there is something happening in the church that is moving us to be salt and light and not merely a religious police force that tickets people or society for not acting right. Jesus' followers were supposed to be a contrast to Israel and a light to the world. Today, the followers of Jesus are to be a contrast to the church wherever that diverges from the position and light of Christ and also the example to the nations. And summing it up, because I need to bring it to a close here, the best gift that the church gives to the world is not great sermons or crusades where people come forward and give their life to Jesus. It's not using our position to influence the political system. The best gift the church gives to the world is reflecting the kingdom. And this should be our chief concern. How do you reflect the kingdom? Just as we saw, poor in spirit, mourning, meek, hungering, thirsting for righteousness, merciful, peacemakers, giving our lives for the kingdom. And of course, we have our views on politics, on life, and they vary. That does not change our character and the core of where we start from. We are the formation of an alternative social order, one that is upside down. Most of Jesus' teaching has to do with the reversal of that social order, the client Patreon, right? Help those who could help you. That's the smart thing to do so you can get your foot up to the next level. This picture is different. This system, you don't have to make oaths. Your yes is a yes. You're not using people for sexual means even in your mind. Here, you are not dealing with murder because you are dealing with contempt in your heart. You see, it's based on something much deeper And it's changing the core of humanity that then changes all of society. The work of the church is to create a visible community built on the upside-down values of Jesus. Everything else is filtered through this. So instead of revenge, there is forgiveness. Instead of greatness, we do service. Instead of the first, we do last. Instead of accumulation, we do generosity. This is the alternative social order. We are governed by the towel and the basin. 
washing each other's feet. We are governed by the broken bread and the wine, sacrificial living, and by baptism, right? That we are giving ourselves to this new work, this new kingdom. This is what forms and shapes the church into a different order. The people from different class systems were eating together, Jews and Gentiles. They were committed to taking care of the poor, even if they weren't the Christian poor. This is what made them astounding and the light to the world. What kind of politics is going to be practiced with the people who are poor in spirit, mourning, meeking, hungering, thirsting for righteousness, merciful peacemakers? What are they going to do? They're going to get together and practice these things. Do you think they're going to legislate their morality or do you think they're going to be a community concerned with their own fidelity? They're a community of grief, suffering, faithfulness, and hope. The politics of the towel and basin. This is the politics of Jesus. The gift we give to the world is living in witness to the cross-shaped kingdom of God. How it looks varies on where we are and what's going on around us. It's not pigeonholed into a certain demographic. It shows up in each individual life where they're at. And how this looks varies on where you are and what's going on around you. And it's mysterious and it's beautiful. You know, I could try and tell you about my marriage. I could tell you, oh, Corrine and I have this kind of relationship and we've been married this long. I could give you all kinds of information, but I can't tell you about the mystery of the relationship. I, I can't capture the conversations that we've had at quiet times, in the middle of the night, talking about our children, talking about what has happened to us, talking about where we are. I I can't capture the mystery of that. It can only be experienced by living in that relationship. We cannot capture or or make a, a plan of what this kingdom looks like. We cannot have a demographic and say, this is it and make policies about what it looks like because it looks different in the mystery of where we're living and how it's supposed to be exemplified. You are gonna be salt different in Asia than you are gonna be in Africa, than you are gonna be in the Middle East, that you are gonna be in the United States. It's gonna flavor that place differently depending on the people you're around. You are gonna be a light to the nations by how you live in those communities and it's going to show up in so many ways. But man, can you imagine? This could just explode. If all these people got together and said, we're gonna now live like the kingdom, you could raise $10,000, $70,000 kingdom cents like that. That's exciting. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of this politics. This, this is my loyalty, is this character that we see in Christ. This is what I hope we will be here in our community. Let's pray. Father, there is a challenge before us in how we will live, how we will honor the poor and the weak, how we will care for one another and the interests of others, not just our own. There is opportunity before us to be salt to the land that we live in, to be light to the world. And I pray that within us would be a desire, a hunger for thirst, a thirst for righteousness, that within us, we would desire to be merciful, to be peacemakers. That within us, we would see these things, this society you are raising up and desire to be part of it. 
and to recognize that the first fidelity has to deal with ourselves in relationship to you, that before we worry about anyone else, we deal with the speck, the log in our own eye. And so this morning, Lord, that's my prayer, that we would do that, that we would do a self-examination of where we fit into your political system and how does it overflow into every area of our lives. And may we be challenged by this and may we repent because of this. And may we as a community, be salt to our land, to our nation, and light to this world because we have your character paramount in our lives. Pray you help us in this endeavor to see it clearly and not be sidetracked by the other systems that are so much stronger, so much more appealing. They look more like celebrity and wealth and power than poverty, sickness, weakness. Use us to confound the rest. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. May the politics of Jesus be the way, the truth, and the life for us as we follow in his steps. We can be the salt of our land and the light of this world. God bless you guys. Love you. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.